Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders. And this is our Thursday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets. And we're so glad that you were able to join us tonight. We're so thankful for that. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to give it a like and make sure to share it. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you have the bell on so you get notified every time we upload a video and make sure that you're um, subscribed. Uh, yes, make yeah. sure you're subscribed. Yeah. So again, class, thank you so much for joining us. And, we're... and you did say, I was not paying attention. You did say, share the share this thing on Facebook. I did, okay. I did, yeah. You yeah. don't have a Facebook, do you, Dan? No. No, no, I don't. Uh, I don't have time to be. N never mind. I, no, 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 I okay, I fair it. enough. Fair enough. You know, I got a telephone. They want to talk to me. Call me. They want to talk. Right. Not even text. No. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah I text. You yeah. don't respond very well to my text. That's no, nah, not usually. <laughs> call. Yeah. Yeah. I'm old school. I'm, yeah. I want a live yeah. voice on the other end of the phone. I understand. So. All right. Well. We're very glad you're able to join us. Uh, I think, I'm, I'm hoping, Lord willing, I think we might actually get through Genesis 11 tonight. We'll, I think so. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah, I um, think so. I think it, you know, it's, it's going to be good. I can't wait to get into some of the other stuff coming up. You know, it might have been naive of me, but I really thought Genesis, we might be able to do Genesis 1 through 11 in one class. You're kidding. <laughs> I, was I was really thinking you're kidding. do it in one class. Anybody that's watching that knows me. <laughs> Knows that wasn't gonna happen. Wasn't gonna happen. Right? That wasn't yeah. gonna happen. No. Nope. You know, I have a reputation. Yeah. <laughs> of All taking right. a while in the text. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely worth uh, taking a while and. Uh, hey, I. It. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of information here. There is. You know, yeah. I don't want to miss stuff. I mean, there's some stuff we're gonna skip over. You know, we'll skip over a lot of chapter ten tonight because it's just a it it's you know just a table of nations. We won't see it do a lot with it, but uh, but you know, I mean, there's a. I, I always suggest to my classes. Man, if you, I don't have time to do everything. You know, we'll be oh, here. Yeah. We'd be here for the next ten years. Oh yeah. But if if you know if we skip something, go back and read it. You know, read there, it yourself. There are probably thousands of books written on just Genesis one through eleven. I know. You know, just I, Genesis one through eleven. I so I mean, we could we could we could literally spend the rest of our Absolutely. our lives reading and teaching I, probably I just on Genesis one through eleven. I know. And then shocking. you get to chapter twelve and on, and then it you know there's a whole bunch more stuff to talk about. That's right. So. You know, like I like I've told them before. You know, we're gonna we're gonna skip some things, we're gonna move past some things, not intentionally. To it's just we don't have time to do it all. That's right. Just don't have time to do it all. And this is supposed to be a conversation where we're, where we're and you know I had I talked to a lady the other day and I'm sure she's watching and and uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say who it was but uh, she said it looked like we have a lot of fun. We do. Oh yeah. We, we really do have fun here. We you know it's a it a uh, uh, this is a fun class to teach. Uh, it's a it's a fun it's fun material. Because there's so much that so applicable to us. Oh yeah. In the in the Old Testament, it really is. So, you know, why don't we pray and we'll get started? All right, All right let's do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, for the opportunity and for the 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 wonderment of the relationship we have with you. Having that relationship is we just can't say thank you enough. Uh, Father, we ask your blessings upon us tonight as we as we teach. Uh, we ask that you bless the audience, that they will learn and they'll grow. And that they will have the courage, Father, to apply these things to their lives. Help them, you know, at times it's going to be, some of it's going to be difficult to understand. And I pray, Father, we'll explain it in a way where they can understand it. Thank you again for bringing us here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tell me, Dan, have you ever had like a, uh, like a pet project or a, uh, something you were working towards, working, work, a goal you were working towards that maybe spanned a couple of years? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I've got a I've got a '67 Mustang that I'm working on. Oh man! For my son, for Paul, and uh, and it uh, it's been it's been about five years I've been working on. Wow! It. And it's uh, it's about sixty percent complete. And uh, you know I'm not gonna get into all the technical stuff, but there was a it was a lot involved, and I got to a point where I came up against a brick wall. Not that I don't know what to do, I just I'm just done. You know, looking at that car makes me want to throw up. <laughs> but and I, and it'll and at some point, and I don't know when it'll happen, and I'll get this this thing, and I, man, I'll get on it, and 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 just get it finished. So, but yeah, that you know, when you st- when you build a car, when you build a project like that, it it can take. Uh, I used to tell customers if, uh, you know, don't call me about the time, and don't call me about the money, because if you do, I'm going to have you bring your trailer. And pick this thing up and take it home, because it could take as long as it's going to take, and it could cost as much as it's going to cost, because you can't put you can't put time frames and dollar figures on that stuff. But yeah, it uh, and and I love doing them, but it just it takes a lot of time, you know. And so pet projects of anything, I mean, if a lady's going to sew a dress, you know, I mean, it's it or or, or cook a uh, bake something. I mean, there's there's a, there's details involved. May not be as complicated as as uh, uh, other kind of things, but it's a uh, you know there's there it takes it takes time to get things done, you know when you when you have a project like that. Is that what you're looking for? Well, I'm you know I'm I'm interested. So you're working on this Mustang, '67 Mustang mm-hmm. Mustang for your son, and you're and you're done. You said you hit a brick wall. Yeah. What's it going to be like when you finish it though? Oh, it'll be slick. It'll be sweet. It'll be a sweet and and. And we've done some things to this car that that most people, you know, I mean, well, I can't say most people don't do, but uh, you know, we had to have we had to buy donor cars, and uh, and and get donor parts because we uh, we were putting certain kind of transmissions in it and certain kind of clutch setups in it, and and we had to we had to we had to cut the whole firewall out of the car, so the whole firewall's gone, and we had to take a firewall out of a later model car and and fit it in there and weld it back in. So we could get everything to work like it's supposed to, and uh, and that took uh, that took hours and hours and hours and hours. Thankfully, I have a son that another son that's a really good welder, and so you know it uh, it. I mean, you can't if you, unless you know it's there, you can't really tell it's there. You have to know it's there. But those are the kind of things that that are involved in projects like that. You just people don't understand. They don't understand. They watch TV and think, oh, it happens in a program in, in one episode. No, it doesn't. It can take years. It can take years to do some of these things that, that people do out there. You know, building a house, remodeling a house can take a long time, you know, if you're doing it yourself. So, yeah, it's, a, but, you know, there's a joy in it and there's a, there's a, a sense of accomplishment. I've got a, a, a Volkswagen Doom buggy that I just built, a fiberglass buggy. I built it from nothing. I mean, it was nothing. And it, it's finished. And it's slick. You've seen the pictures of it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. nice. You know, it's, it's, it's those kinds of projects that, that you that you dive into and you wrap your mind around them and they and they, you know, for the time you're working on, they just consume you. It sounds it sounds like it takes a lot of dedication. It does take a lot of dedication. It does. Yeah, you, you have to be you have to be dedicated to the understanding of how to do it, and then you have to be dedicated to the taking the time to do it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's I, I I don't let them get in the way though of of other things that are 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 important to me. Uh, I've got certain times I work on that stuff and certain times when I won't, you know. So, I mean, if I'm working on something like on a day when we're going to record like this, 
man, that thing's done. That thing's not as important as this is because this mm. is more important because I'm dedicated to this as well. You can be dedicated to more than one thing at one time. Right. You know, and I think people have to. I think I think we have to, uh, we we have to learn how to, to divide our time up really well. So. So when you're done, when you finish the when you finish the job, that what's that like? That you say, there's a lot of anticipation there. I imagine there's a lot of you've got a lot of hours, you got a lot of work. Like when you finish the, I know you worked on Chris's car just recently. Mm-hmm. I know you worked on that buggy. I know you're working on the '67 Mustang, and that's mm-hmm. something that you know you said 60%. You're done with it. You've been five years on it. Mm-hmm. So, what's it gonna be like when you're done? When you have it finished? When you see Paul drive off in that '67? It would never Mustang? be Paul's car. Never. Okay. He may own it. Title may be in his name. He may have shelled out all the money for it. Never his car. That's my car. I built that car. I built that car. That's Huge my sense car. of accomplishment, then. That's my car. Yeah. You know, I, I see a car run down the street that I, that I know that I built. That's my car. They may own it. And if they sell it, they're going to get the money. That's my car. They can't ever <laughs> say they built it because I built that car. I did that. Me and Kevin did that. Me and Kevin and Martin did that. Whatever. I mean, we, you know, we we're the ones that did that. You know, it's my car, and I told him that already. I said, yeah, I said that'll never be your car ever. That'll always be my car. You may own it, but it's still my car. And if I know Paul, he's saying, well, I get to drive it. Yeah, I've it's, got no, it's my car. No, it's my car. But you know, but the, the but the point is, is that that when you when you when you've spent that much time in something, you know, the sense of accomplishment is it just. I mean, it's overwhelming. You know how much how good you feel when you when you look at it and you say, you know, and I can pick out all the flaws in it, pick out all the things where the, the stuff not not just right, but man, it's you know, man, I did that, you know, and if I show you a picture of that buggy, I know what that buggy looked like before that picture, way before that picture, and I'm looking at it and going, man, I that I did that, and when people say, wow, that's really neat, man, yeah, I did that, that's a, that's amazing, I no, I did that, that's my car. You know, and, and so I think that, and and not not arrogant or nothing. Just it just I think anybody that builds something, anything, you know, well, I, can, I think I it's can, a it's a healthy look. There's there's two types of pride. There's unhealthy and and healthy pride, mm-hmm. right? Healthy pride is like I'm proud of the work I've put into my mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. and the things that they can do. That's healthy pride. I'm proud of the relationship that I have with my God. That's I mean that's a good thing, right? Yeah. I'm I'm proud of the faith I have mm-hmm. compared to where I was, yeah. right? Those are all good things. I'm proud of my wife and the mm-hmm. work she does. That's a good thing. It's bad when it's so focused on me right mm-hmm. when it's like <laughs> and i'm better than everyone yeah, else yeah. that's bad pride right yeah, so yeah. i i don't get that that's not what i'm taking away and i hope that's not what they're taking away oh no but no. that sense of accomplishment that sense of that sense of achievement that sense that man i've really put in the effort and i've seen the work and that's that's a really cool thing i mean you're talking about a work that takes years and years, years. and years and years yeah i mean i've been in this my whole life isn't that, I've, I've been at it my whole life you know i've, I've I've been learning and developing that craft my whole life, uh, so this is this is what my life is apart from this. You know, now it all intertwines it, but but that it when you when you dedicate yourself to something that dynamic and that that difficult to do because if if it was easy to do, everybody would be doing it, and everybody is doing. It. I had a guy call me today and want to know, can you build this certain kind of motor? And I said, yes, I can, and. And he said, I've, I've tried and I can't find it. I said, because it's a dying art. People don't want to build motors anymore. They want to buy them already built and put them in a car. And and I still build them. And I can still build this particular kind of motor and know that my motor will stay together longer than that motor is going to stay together that you put that you bought out of that box. 
because because I know how to build them. But not everybody does that anymore. But isn't that what our father dedicated himself Absolutely. to? Absolutely. He's dedicated himself to working his creation. And his creation is perfect. And it is absolutely perfect. Spot on, dead on perfect. You know, what happened is is, is the creation kind of tweaked itself a little bit and, and it fell off the grid. And now we're dealing with all of the, the flood and we're dealing with the rainbows and we're dealing with, now we're going to deal with Noah and getting drunk. And, you know, it, 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 the creation, the God's, God's dedication to his creation is still there. Well, and I imagine his anticipation and his joy at seeing oh. the bride. Well, when he said... When he said it was very good, what do you think God was saying? <laughs> yeah. He said, hey, guys, come over here. Come here. Y'all see that? I did that. That's mine. You know, and nobody can ever take away from, from God that he is the one that created, and it was very good. And, it's, and it still is today. And he's the one who redeems it. Yes. And he's the one who's worked it. And so and, now here we are in Genesis chapter 9, and God has gotten so fed up with his creation that he caused a flood but now he's brought it through one man right mm -hmm. so we had the fall in chapter three right and a promise that there was going to be a seed there was the seed coming from woman that's right that was going to kill this mm -hmm. kill the serpent right solve the problem right well i think a lot of people now is we're looking at this with the question that this narrative wants us to ask is is noah that seed mm -hmm. And so we've seen God work this plan. We've seen him make the promise. We've seen him work the creation. We've seen him react to the horrible sinfulness. And then here we are in verse 18. And I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and read through the text here. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Hem, and Japheth. Hem was the father of Canaan. Now we're in chapter 9. Chapter 9, yeah. verse 18. Okay. Uh, these were the three sons of Noah. And from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, we're going to go ahead and stop right there, and we'll get into that curse in just a second. But we see this divine, this uh, design pattern replayed out. So if we look at this narrative, just verses 18 and then all the way down through, the, through 28, we see a replaying of Genesis 1 through 3. Mm -hmm. The question should be them coming out of the, the ark is they've entered another garden, right? They've entered another, like another garden-like situation. There's a vineyard going on there. He's planting things. So we're, we're seeing that kind of narrative again. But what does he do with the vineyard? What does he do? He's probably, you, you pointed out earlier, you know, he plants this vineyard and then he gets drunk. Well, that's not a, that's not a today Two and tomorrow. Thing. Yeah, no. that's not a, that's, that's a year. four or five years. That's a work, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's something. So he's sitting and, and he, this vineyard. And he spent all the time being dedicated to this vineyard, you know, tilling it, cultivating it, you know, doing what needs to be done so that he could get grapes off of it. That took a long time. And then the, the winemaking process of itself can take time. So this looks like two sentences. And what did God do in Genesis chapter 1 and 2? Didn't he do something very similar? Yeah. He created something. He mm -hmm. was dedicated to it. Mm -hmm. Saw that it was very good. Yep. All that work, right? But, you know, and but it's... 
you know, God's creation is still very good even here. I mean, it was it was good enough that Noah found favor in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. God God perpetuated the creation through this. He, he destroyed everything that we can see. Didn't destroy the, destroy the creation, but he but he destroyed the the human side and the and the the animal side of it. He destroyed it. And now now here's Noah again coming into uh, starting all over, planting this thing, and, and you know, of course, the, the the earth is is replenishing itself. It's things are growing up. You can you can flood a flood a lake bottom, you know, and at some point, if enough birds get fly around, they're going to uh, they're going to drop some seeds, and you're going to start things are going to start growing. And you go buy a field, you know, this year and two years from now, you go buy it, and nobody does anything to it. Now it looks like a jungle, you know. So in this in this part of the state. You know, research will take over, and you know if they don't, if you don't shred it down, and you know, and cut and kill it, it'll take over. It's just a weed, is what it is, and it's a, and it'll it'll take over, and uh, that's that's what's happening here, because this this verse to verse could have been 10, 15 years. Yeah, that, for sure. That went on, and and the and the the creation is reflourishing. Because it was good. And that's what we're supposed to see here. We're supposed to be reminded. We're su- when we read this story, our minds are supposed to go back to Genesis 3, mm-hmm. Genesis 1 through 3, really. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to see this unfold because so many of those elements are here again. Mm-hmm. Noah's planting a vineyard, mm-hmm. so he's in the process of creating these things. It's very good what he's doing, right? He's, he's doing this good thing, planting this good work, something he's looking forward to. But then sin enters the picture again. He drinks some wine. And he gets drunk, and here we have another person who is naked. Just like before. Just like before. Mm-hmm. And so their nakedness. Now, understand that in these in these ancient Near Eastern cultures, being naked is a shaming thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's a if you're naked before people, you're that's your shame. Mm-hmm. But just like we saw in the garden, it became their the shame. The first thing they realized yeah. when they when they ate the fruit, they were naked. They were naked, right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're supposed to be seeing again. It's supposed it's telling us that okay, so this isn't the seed we were looking for. This isn't it. We still have this problem. Mm -hmm. And so this time it's played out with Noah. He's drunk. He's naked in his tent. Ham sees him. And then he goes and he tells his two brothers outside. Mm -hmm. So he spreads his father's shame, Mm -hmm. right? And so his, but his brothers then take a cloth. They take, they take a uh, garment and they walk in backwards and they cover their father's naked body. And it says their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. In verse 24, when Noah wakes up, he knows what his youngest son had done to him. That's so strange. How did he know it was his youngest son? How did he know, how, how did he wake up, find this garment on him and immediately go, ham? No, I don't think that's what happened at all. I don't think that's, I think, I think uh, uh, just like those other two verses, I think there was more verses. I think there's more dynamic going on. And there's more you know, to he, the story. He, he, woke, he woke up, and he's covered. He knows he wasn't covered. He knows he was naked. He looks underneath the covers. He doesn't have any clothes on. And he said, and he hollers for his boys, hey, or he hollers for his wife, who, who covered me up? Did you cover me up? No, I didn't cover you up. Who, who covered me up? You know, because if you didn't cover me up, that means somebody came in here. Who came in here? Somebody snitched on him. Somebody told Somebody said, you know, what I'm wondering is, it says here when Noah spoke, woke and went from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he found out what his youngest yeah. son, he didn't just wake up and say, oh, it must have been Ham. Right, right. Somebody right. told him. His wife told him. That's right. Maybe Ham's wife told him. 
Maybe, maybe somebody Shem Japheth. So somebody said, but what had he done? What you know? That's the question I told you when we before we started. People are going to want to know what what did he do? Something happened here. He didn't just look at him. Something happened. I don't know what. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us. But it's bad enough. Whatever it is, it's bad enough that that he curses the very the very offspring of Ham himself. Yeah. And from that moment on. From that moment on, Israel, Abraham, they're all going to have a problem with this group of people. You know, the Canaanites are always a problem. I'm going to take you into the land of the Canaanites, and you're going to have to eliminate them, eradicate them. Why? Because they are going to be a problem because here's the curse that, that, that got pla- placed on them. You know, this guy Canaan didn't do anything. His father did, and he was cursed because of it. Well, so it must whatever Ham did, you know, and I don't know. I'm not going to speculate what he did, but it says it, it says what his youngest son had done to him. But doesn't this and this so this is twofold though? You know, we talked about this with the with the generations before, mm-hmm. when we looked at Noah and we looked at his generations and we looked at Cain and we looked at his generations. You remember the text, not in that place, but the text elsewhere. It says, "And he will punish the sins of the fathers yes. to the third and fourth generation." Mm-hmm. And so many people look at that text and they go, "Oh, there's God punishing people who didn't even do anything." And even the Israelites had a proverb. They said, "You know, the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge." Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea that you're not paying for the things that you did; you're paying for the things that your father did. But wait a minute, our fathers have such a high impact on who we are, mm-hmm. on who we become, mm-hmm. on, on what we do. Now, it's not its not certain. It's not set in stone, right? There's always choice. He, he stood before Cain and he said, you know, why, are you, why is your face downcast? Isn't sin crouched against your door? You must master it. Mm-hmm. So the choice is always there. Are you going to live into it? Are you going to play into it? Or are you not? Something's here. going on here, though, that we need, to, we need to clarify. The one that was saved here was Noah. Right. Not Shem, not Ham, not Japheth, not his wife, not their wives, none of them. They were all part of the problem. They were part of the of the problem that was that what did God said? He said it grieved him that he had yeah. made man on the earth. Mm-hmm. But they got they they also reaped the benefits of being Noah's children because of Noah. Canaan is gonna is gonna reap the benefits of being of, of being Ham's son, because Ham's no good. Evidently, he's none of them are any good. They're all of them should have been destroyed with the rest of them. Well, but we see Shim and Japheth. We see Shim and Japheth though in this situation do the right thing. Maybe they're learning you know? from their father. Maybe after they saw, you know, I mean, if you if if you have three children, all right, you have three children. If one of them gets a gets disciplined, they get pop on the behind. Let's say, and you stand them in the corner, pop them on the behind. Are the other two watching? Oh yeah. yeah. Do well. The other two learn. Sometimes. But they do. But they do learn. Sometimes, yeah. They, yeah. Okay, uh, you know, you got a couple of really sharp kids, all right. So <laughs> one of them will learn and say, "I ain't never gonna get caught doing that." But I ain't gonna yes. stop doing it. We have, yeah, we have, yeah. I'm not gonna get caught doing it. Yeah. You know, and then there'll be another one. They'll say, "Wow, that's gonna be painful. I don't think I'm ever gonna do that." And they'll learn. So some of them may be learning from Noah and mm. saying. Wow, man, God helped us through that, and it was because of my dad. I'm going to try to be better than I was before. Mm-hmm. And so here, one of them looking at it and saying, you know what? I just ain't going to get caught. I'm still going to do this stuff. And that's why people are punished to the third, fourth generation, because because we look at it and say, you know what? Man, I just ain't going to get caught. 
I, I, I can do it. I, I can pull it off better than he did. And not learn from it and say, you know what? I've got to stop doing this. I've yeah. got to be better at this. And so, you know, kids learn from each other. Adults learn from each other. We learn the good and the bad. Yeah. And, and I don't, like I said, I don't know what Ham's done, but God knows these people's hearts. And he knows what Canaan's going to do. And what have the Canaanites become? What are the, they, they are known for the, for, I mean, they're, they're evil. They're just evil. I mean, well, that's why God says to utterly destroy them. Now, not during the, not necessarily during the time of Abraham. No, remember, no, no, he no, tells, no, no, He no. tells Abraham, he goes, you know, the sins, their sins have not yet been complete. When he talks about, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to come into the land after 400 years, your sons are going to bring them up out of Egypt. And he says, because the, the sins of the Amorites and, and all of these people, the Canaanites and everything, their iniquity has not yet been complete. So they... It was obvious that, well, I mean, and think of Melchizedek too, mm-hmm. right? Melchizedek's a priest and king of a king, a king of Salem and priest of the Most High God, mm-hmm. and so obviously not all of them were given over to this at this yeah. point. Yeah. But this curse that he speaks here is certainly prophetic, right? Because he says, "Curse be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers," and that certainly became true. It certainly became the case after God led Israelite is the Israelites mm-hmm. into the Promised Land, yeah. right? Um, the promised land just happens to be the land of the Canaanites. Right. Yeah. So, and then he says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. So, who will, and see, and that's, and then we see here this, after the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years, and then he died. So, just a quick note. That makes him a contemporary of Terah, Abraham's father. In fact, Noah probably died uh, just a few years before Abraham Abram was born. So that's that's interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. But we're getting but to it, the table it, of nations. What we what, when you asked me the question or when we first started about the dedication, mm-hmm. what it shows is that God has a plan, and God is dedicated. If you're going to build a car like I'm building, when I build cars, you have to have a plan. Yeah. You, you know. And what really throws a monkey wrench into it is when somebody, when the owner changes the plan. Mm. When you come in and say, you know, and I've told customers before, look, we're done here. You can't do this. I've already gone this far. I can't do this anymore. I, I can't change it now. It's too late. And so now we're stuck with it. Well, God, God's not changing the plan. God's just realizing the plan. He's already got it in motion. Yeah. We know that in, in Hebrews it says that all of Jesus' work was done before the creation of the world. We know it's all done already. So the plan is perfect. The people are perfect. And God's going to make sure they stay that way through the sacrifice of his son down the road. But he's but he's dedicated. You know, it's obvious. He's dedicated. Even though even though this guy does this, he's going to curse Canaan, but he's dedicated to this, to the plan of salvation. Oh, absolutely. 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 And so, you know, we see Japheth and we see Shem. We see more of that in Genesis chapter 10. I'm not going to go into that. Um, you know, the, in this promise, it's, it talks about, you know, we're going to extend Japheth's terror. We know Shem. We know the, the, the Jews and the Hebrews come from Shem, among other peoples as well. From Japheth come, I believe, the Greeks and, and the Europeans and Asians. And, I mean, where it's chapter 10 is commonly referred to as the table of nations for that reason. Uh, we really see, and we, there's a lot of uh, different nations and people groups that that come from these three people. And so that chapter 10 really starts to get into all that. We hear about Nimrod, who's a mighty warrior. 
um, that he made he made cities like Babylon and uh, Syria and I mean just all of these different cities and nations. It, it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy, but we shouldn't necessarily look at this like oh these are all good things. Babylon, Assyria. I mean these were horrible nations. Yeah. That yep. he made. Mm -hmm. So this isn't again. This isn't like oh everything's hunky dory. Remember we talked about uh, it, when we were talking about the generations and a couple ep a couple episodes ago we were talking about and some were you know makers of iron and players of flutes and I, I mentioned the fact that look in their culture mm -hmm. and in in cultures around in the Near East this this wasn't the way they got this knowledge wasn't good and this wasn't saying hey, things are going fine it was supposed to be things are declining things are going bad this is the very same thing so after the flood we had a had a re uh, a re a kind of a retelling of the garden narrative through noah and his search his circumstances and now here we see creation going downhill again and that's what we're supposed to be focused that's what we're supposed to be seeing here not that oh oh this guy this guy was a mighty warrior he's a good guy no no these are bad things that, well if you see some of these people and you see some of these nations, right. you see some names that was jump out at you. Correct. You yeah, see absolutely. Nineveh, you see Sodom, you see Gomorrah, you see some of these exactly. the, these these areas where they were inhabited, and then much later on, they have a, a very dark, very black uh, connection to them because of some of the nastiness that we see well, come from them. And remember the audience here. The audience here is are the the uh, Jews that are being led out of mm -hmm, Egypt, mm -hmm. right? They're the ones hearing this. Now, I'm not necessarily saying they're hearing some of this for the first time. There's obvious evidence, in, uh, in, especially in Exodus, when we start looking at um, the Jews in captivity, that they knew, they knew who God was. They knew, they had some idea. But I think a lot of this is being revealed in more detail to them through Moses. And so... They're hearing these names, and these are names of cities that are in the land where they're going, mm -hmm. or names of cities that used to exist, in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, in the cities that they're going. And so they're hearing all this stuff. And what were they noted for, Sodom and Gomorrah? Oh, well, yeah, they were noted for horrible sin. Yeah, they were. it was, uh, it was very uh, sodomite. So, well, and so, so, is, so is Babylon, so is mm -hmm. uh, Akkad, Akkad is Syria. Um, I mean, we, so so are all these kingdoms. Mm -hmm. All of these kingdoms are known for for not. They're not known for their peace and love and everything no. else. They're known for their horrible idolatry. They're known for their sin, you know. So, and, and I'm getting back to where I went with a while ago. What did that boy do? <laughs> what was he bent to, towards? What what did he do? You know, it's it's odd that Canaan becomes it it encompasses land all the way to Sodom and Gomorrah. What is Sodom and Gomorrah? What is the what do all the men want with these with the angels when they come to Sodom and Gomorrah? Let them out so we can have our way with them. You know what had happened? Their sin had come full circle. They had, their sin maybe it came maybe it was maybe the heritage of that whole clan was bent that away. I don't know, but it's sure odd that Ham is standing there looking at his dad, and then it says his father woke up and found out what he'd done to him. What did he do? Well, maybe we get a clue from where all these cities are and what happened in those cities much later on. I don't know that's true. Well, and, the, and, and I, I hear what you're saying, you know, and we know the Benjamites had a problem with that. I mean, look, that type of immorality was absolutely condemned. It was, ab I mean, it was absolutely. absolutely wrong. I mean, there's, I mean, there's no question. And, and I mean, I, I see where you're saying it. Yeah. It could be that. I'm it just doesn't saying get into that. It, it doesn't when you really look get at, into When it. you get into scripture like this and you look at it and you say, and you don't have any explanation, you have to, you know, you, you read between the lines a little bit and you say, 
could it have been? Well, I'm not saying it is. No, I understand. You know, what I'm saying? I understand. You know when, when you have a father or a mother or you have a grandfather or a great-grandfather that's been a certain way, you know, I, I mean, I, my, my grandfather was completely dedicated to the life that he lived. He was a farmer. And it didn't make any difference. It didn't make any difference. It rained, didn't rain. He was a farmer. He was dedicated. And I learned that from him. I watched him do that. My dad was dedicated. You know, we didn't always have a great relationship, but my dad was dedicated to taking care of his family. And he worked at menial jobs and didn't never made a whole lot of money. But he but he worked, man, he was dedicated. He he never I never saw him not go to work. Ever. Ever. When he was at home one day, laying in bed, I thought he was dying. I was scared that he was gonna die. Well, he was just sick. I never saw him sick before. Yeah. But I learned that. You know, and so our children learn these things from us. And we carry it on, and God curses Canaan. Maybe because he's going to learn something from his dad that God knows down the road, this guy's going to be no good, and his whole clan's going to be no good, and he's going to spawn off, going to spawn off evil from him that is going to be really detrimental to to God's people. Well, and that's certainly the point of the text. The point yeah. of the text is for us to understand that things are going downhill again. Yeah, it is. It's not things aren't going up. Things didn't get better. He saved Noah because Noah was righteous before him, mm-hmm. you know, and that was and that that was a good thing. But then this side of the flood, yep. things are going downhill very quickly again. I think then, I think it's something we can learn though. I, I really do. I mean, you know, from a from an evangelistic, not even evangelistic side, but just from a being a parent, how important it is for us to uh, to to be the right kind of people and do the right thing, you know, and and. Because our children will suffer from what we do. Now, I mean, God's not going to come curse them, maybe, but but they, the punishment that will come. You know, my children, you know, early on in their life, they did have to experience the garbage that I did before, you know, and put up with the nonsense because I was a lousy father. I wasn't any good at it, and I was a, I was a, I wasn't a good dad at all, man. And and so they had to deal with that nonsense. I grew up and got better, thankfully. Uh, they didn't. It didn't uh, taint them bad, but it could have. I've seen a lot of families where it did, where parents just did not get it together, and uh, and now they're wondering how come all their kids and their grandkids are all, in a, you know, in, in just their whole lives are are full of bomb craters. Well, I trace it back to where you came from. You taught them, and I think you know our families that are listening, and especially moms and dads, if you're listening, guys. You know, you have a direct influence in your children's life. You really do, and and your life, your children's life can get blown up because of what you're doing or what you're not doing, good and bad. And we need to and we need to recognize that. And I think too many people in our society today don't recognize it. Yeah. They blame their children. They blame schools. They blame the government. You know, man, look in the mirror. Maybe you need to blame yourself. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's my fault. I'm, I'm taking blame for things that my, my boys got into that they were watching me do. Well, why would I not think they wouldn't get into it? Thankfully, they've all come back to God. They're all faithful. you know. But they saw me do that too. Well, and it, it's not like, you know, yes, I think we have to face the reality that, you know, our consequences have actions. Absolutely. I mean, I think if anything we've, we've seen just Genesis 1 through 10 is that our, our consequences do have actions and we have the ability to make choices. Absolutely. But those choices will come back and, and you know, either reap benefits or, or destruction. But I think one of the things we also need to think about here is as long as it's called today, there's hope. Absolutely. There's, Absolutely. I mean, there is hope. Things can turn around and change. And, you know, and that's not just for parents because no. a lot of parents, their kids are growing up and out of the house. But that's also for for 
grandparents who are now grandparents. Mm -hmm. And even if you're a parent and your kid's out of the house, you can still have an impact and an influence on them. And, and that's why it's so important for you to share this video because, you know, we're going to deal with things later on. We're going to deal with more evangelistic stuff where, you know, you can make an impact in your life, where, where you see fathers and mothers make a huge impact in people's lives. You know, you're going to see people that were no good, that had a bad life, wind up in the sea line of Jesus. We're going to look at all those people. Yep. And so, you know, maybe you got somebody in your life that really needs to be paying attention, maybe needs to watch this thing. You know, maybe not today, but maybe maybe in a month from now or something, they, we might say something really is going to turn their life around. So, you know, I'd, I'd highly suggest, guys, share it with somebody you know. Well, in chapter 11 is kind of the crowning point. So yes, it is. If, if we look at the crowning point of the of downfall, down, of the of downfall, downfall yeah. um, so if we look at Genesis as a book, we see chapters 1 through 11, and then there's kind of a, it, it, that's one section, and then we have 12 all the way through the end. Yep. And that's the other section. And so this first section is God dealing with the nations as a whole. And then we're going to see God deal with a specific family. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, the whole goal is to be bringing the seed forward. Mm -hmm. And so as we get into 11, let's read, uh, I'm going to read through some of this. Now, the whole world, this is 11 chap uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So there's a couple of things here. God has said to them, Multiply and cover the whole earth. Mm -hmm. So this is a direct thumbing of what God has already told them to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of them saying, God, you've, you've told us we need to multiply and cover the face of the earth, and we're going to do what you've told us to do. And we're seeking the things that you are. Instead of that, now we have the whole people turn and look and thumb their nose at God and say, no, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And we're all going to stay right here. We're not going to be scattered. Mm -hmm. well, let's see what God says. But the Lord came down to the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language. They will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there, excuse me, the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So God says, you know what? I said you're going to multiply and cover the face of the earth, and you're going to do it one way or the other. Either you do it on your own, or I'm going to make you do it. Yeah. But this is not, this is supposed to, this is a big deal. This seems like a not a big deal. Like I'm reading through it right now and it's like, wow, that seems interesting. This is a huge deal. This is the nations of the earth in rebellion to God and church, they haven't stopped. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't stopped yet. They have not stopped. And they won't stop until he stops them permanently. You know, I mean, I mean, come on church, let's let's get real here. What do the, why do the nations exist? Romans tells us very clearly they exist to bring judgment. Peter tells us very clearly they exist to bring righteous judgment. That's mm -hmm. why they exist. How often do they do that? Mm -hmm. Almost never. Almost never. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, especially in our culture today, we see it so so evident today. I'll tell you what, church. You go through the scriptures and you find me where God speaks favorably of a nation. 
Now, I'm not talking about Israel. He does speak favorably of Israel yes. because they are his people and his nation. Mm-hmm. And we in the church are now spiritual Israel. That's how that works. Yes. I don't I want to get into that too much. I know that can we will kind point. of be an anthill. We, we will, will at some point. We will. But we are his nation now as the church. So when does he speak favorably of another nation? Almost never. I mean, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7, uh, I believe it's chapter 7, they're all beasts coming out of the sea. That's how he sees these great nations and these powers. He doesn't see them as anything holy or good. They're coming out of the chaos. Well, he uses them for the betterment of his people. He does. That's what he does. And he punishes them in their wickedness. Yes. That's he what does. he does. Yeah. I mean, he tells, Nebuch- tools. he tells Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. you know, the king of Babylon, man, you don't, he ain't so much. He said, I raised you up so you could do this right here. He had a plan to take them into bondage. And he used Nebuchadnezzar to do it. So in Genesis 1 through 11, what we've seen, in Genesis chapter 3, the rebellion of man. Mm -hmm. In Genesis chapter 6, the rebellion of possibly spiritual powers. That's one theory there in Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 6. Mm -hmm. And then finally here in Genesis chapter 11, we see the rebellion of nation, the rebellion of nations. And so looking at this from a Near Eastern cultural perspective, what we've got in Genesis 1 through 11 is the rebellion of the entire creation. The entire creation has been rebellious to God. It thumbs its nose at his desire and his design, but God is going to get it done. I think I think the, the thing you can learn, you may not understand all of this, and, and we're not going to go into every detail, no. but when, when God says jump, you better get stepping. Because if you don't, he's going to step on you. He will. And and he's told us throughout this book things that we need to do, and we better be about doing them. Because if we don't, he's going to come down and take over. And and the next time that happens, that ain't going to be good. It's not going to be good. Yeah, he sent his son the first time for redemption. Next time it's not going to be for redemption. That's for judgment. It's for judgment. And so, you know, when you look at this and say, man, I, I mean, wonderful things are coming from chapter 12 on. I mean, I mean, God is going to start dealing with a family through the through the seed line of, of Shem, and he's going to deal with his family and bring his seed from it. The seed that we're all waiting the for. The one that we're waiting for. Right. Is he's bringing that seed from this family, from the seed line of Shem, not from Ham. Ham was where all the evil and the destruction is going to come from, and where Shem is where righteousness is going to come from. Now, they're going to have their problems, again, their issues, but that seed is coming way later, but that seed is coming. We live under that under the under the domain and the realm of that seed now, and who is Jesus Christ. And he's gonna come directly from the seed line here. That's where he's gonna come from. What we should take away, I think, for here from Genesis one through eleven though, is trust that God's gonna get it done. Mm-hmm. Because I mean we haven't really hit on it real hard. But I hope you at home, you've seen Satan working throughout Genesis 1 through 11. The adversary's hard at work. Yeah, He's corrupting mankind left and right. He's taking them down a path. He's teaching them rebellion. We see that over and over and over again. And God is working despite it. Dedicated. He's dedicated. He's dedicated to his people. Dedicated to, dedicated his, people. to his people. He's bringing Just like we talked about when we started, you know, when you asked me what I was dedicated to, you know, in, in a project or, a, you know, and that's. You know, I've, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of people be dedicated to some things in their life. Well, it just shows us here Here, God is showing that he has dedicated these people. In the next part, when we get into that next week, the next part is going to show 
okay, here's where here's where it starts lasering in. That's right. Start lasering it in on the dedication that God has uh, to uh, to finding ultimate fulfillment right. of salvation to come. I can't wait. It's gonna be fun. It's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting when you, especially when you live in it, when you're living with it, and you and you understand. You know, you made a comment to me once before that there's a lot of religious people out there that don't know any of this stuff, hmm. and I'm shocked that they don't because this is so much fun. This is so. This is so. Uh, it, it's it's oh so uplifting for me to to understand that this is what's going on here. It's amazing. Well, in Genesis 11 closes out. We have that story about Babel, the rebellion, the rebellious nations, and then it ends here with a genealogy that zeroes in on Terah and Abram, and and we'll go ahead and and read 27. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor, Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to, again, Haran, which is how I pronounce that, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So two different places there. He's got a son, Haran, <laughs> and a place, Haran. It can be a little confusing. But this is the beginning of God narrowing in and working lasering with his in. family, lasering yeah. in, as you've said, and he's gonna he's gonna save just, twelve. I mean, we'll talk about it over and over. Dedicating himself to the plan at hand, bringing that seed full. That's right. And Satan's gonna work and try to stop it. That's what. Look, I mean, Satan's not a fool. He heard God very clearly. The yep. seed of this woman is gonna yep. come out and crush your head. Yep. He's trying. He's been trying to stop it. He's been trying to stop it on a global scale, and now it's gonna get real specific. It's gonna get real specific. And he's still gonna to try to stop it. He's coming. He he's not gonna stop trying to stop it. He, you know, he he can't stop it now. It's already here, but he can stop people from. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he can stop people <laughs> from from being involved in it. Yeah, we see that every day. We just dealt with a guy today. Yeah, just a while ago. You know, that uh, that needs to have Jesus in his life. You know, it's just simple as that. He needs to have Jesus in his life, and. Satan would like nothing better than to keep him right where he's at. That's right. He'd like him. He'd like him focused on the weeds. Yeah. Rather than the yep. truth. So, we done. Yes, brother. Let's pray. We'll see you guys next week. We're gonna pray and we'll be done. Father, thank you for uh, for being dedicated to us, mm. being dedicated to the plan. Father, we uh, we t we we learned that kind of an example of that as we as we look at the things that we're dedicated to, and and know how much more involved you are. You are completely consumed with us and with the, with the plan that you brought through and, and, and us unfolding that plan to a lost and dying world. Father, help us to do that. Help us to share the message of your son, uh, the seed that was promised to a lost and dying world. Father, thank you for the opportunities that you give us. Thank you for the opportunities that are coming for this church. Bless us, Father, as we move forward. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.